Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate in 2003 nike signed 13 year old freddie adu to a seven-figure contract but freddie didn't live up to the hype he is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by not Dan, but Nick. So there's a, a Dan and Nick show, right? Now there's a Brandon and Nick show. I, yeah, the, uh, the less popular but still relevant Brandon and Nick show. We're, I mean, you're the here. common denominator, so anything that goes wrong <laughs> with this, I'm pointing to you. But... We did a little strategic session. We said, hey, we, we need a third, right? So dusted off the old Rolodex and, and pulled in one of the OG guests, didn't we, Nick? Oh, man, yeah. If you listen to... Any Arsenal match review. <laughs> any Between 2014 and 2017, uh, this was going to be your, your guest that you heard, and that is Simon Johnson... Uh, now the athletics, Simon. Welcome back. Hey guys, yeah, well remembered. Yeah, it was really spooky, wasn't it? I always seemed to be the the Arsenal guy <laughs> whenever Chelsea played Arsenal, and and on the whole, there was there was a lot of positive things to say with the odd <laughs> blemish. Um, and unfortunately, you guys have got me back for another blemish. But hey ho, I'll, I'll try and make light of the situation what happened on on the Saturday night. Yeah, we we have full confidence in you. Uh we will kick it off with the three-word match review as we as we always do. Um but yeah, just real quick, obviously Simon and Liam, the one-two punch at the Athletic for Chelsea. We've known these two gentlemen for a long time. Uh if you're in our Discord, everyone recommends it. Can't recommend it highly enough. It is worth the few bucks a month um to to go subscribe and uh as we'll talk about in this in this episode a lot of really good content coming out of them um so anyways go check it out the athletic um three word match review so simon this is a bit of a new thing we've been doing so at the beginning we say hey three word match review sum it up in three words so we'll be coming to you at the end of this uh but nick we 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 had some good ones dan's not here so i'm gonna take a stab at this 
and see how it goes. So he, he pulled this script together, so it's still Dan's editing. Ty Moreland says, at Enverlany was right. Great three word. I I think that's the best three word match review we've had in a long time. I, I uh, curveball. It's two part. The second part is it's not us. So <laughs> two part three word match review. Uh, Kaylin says Pickford's accidental shutout, which got some laughing with crying emojis in there, which I, I agree with. Uh, on to Wolverhampton for Burt Cube. Janique, uh, this was good, and I think Nick even responded says not very goodison. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's Dean, Dean Mir says, better mendy that, a.k.a. better mend that, because yeah. we got some things to fix. Uh, Ryan Blue says, true test reveals. Apparently, Everton was the true test we've been waiting on. Mm. Uh, Joe Cromwell saying, terrible toffee time. Getting that alliteration in. And then Abel saying, crashing without wings. Uh, which is true. Lampard even came out post-match and said, I got three wingers on, on, the, on the, the training bench, the medical table. We got to figure it out. Uh, Nick, as I stall for myself, what was your three-word match review? <laughs> yeah, Crashing Without Wings was my actual favorite, by the way. That yeah. was good. Um, as you'll know, I thought we were going to wear pink yesterday. I was very public about that, and I love our third shirt. I love the pink shirt. We should have worn pink. That's my three-word match review. All would have been remedied. Our players clearly couldn't see each other on the field yesterday because of the similarity in blues. So... Three-word match review, should have worn pink, should have been more dynamic on the field. Yeah, the passing was not great, so maybe that was just the thing. That's right. Uh, I, I'm going to go with it's a blip, but I'm going to end it with a question mark because I'm not 100% oh. sure. I'm hoping oh. it's a blip, but a lot of things went wrong yesterday. But that was not the Chelsea we were used to seeing, Simon, at all. Um, so over to you for your three-word match review. Everton curse revisited. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, They're kind of a bogey team in the last handful of years, aren't they? Oh, it's it's frightening how many times I've seen that game. <laughs> it, it was like, I've seen this before. I was in the stadium last year. Um, as I mentioned in, in our podcast on the Athletic, I missed the Athletic's Christmas do. Because of that game, because of the timing of the kickoff, the Christmas do was the night before. Um, I, I think I had to travel up to Liverpool uh, on the Friday evening because uh, it got kicked off Saturday lunchtime. And then I watched Chelsea get bullied physically, give away sloppy goals. Um, and that's what we saw on Saturday night. But I've seen that performance many, many times. The the wins in the, in the title victories under Mourinho and Conte, very much exception to the rule. Um, it, and it just it just baffles me um, how Chelsea fall for it time and time again. Um, Everton, it's not pretty, but it's effective. It was very very ugly. I think I think Duncan Ferguson actually gave the team talk. If you ask me, it wasn't a Carlo Ancelotti performance. It was a Duncan Ferguson performance from when he was the caretaker twelve months ago. It was get in their faces, make it difficult, make it ugly, look for fouls, upset their rhythm, and if you nick a goal, then sit back and defend for all your lives. And uh, unfortunately, Mendy gifted Everton a goal out of, out of nothing. And and Chelsea really missed their creative talent that was sitting on the treatment table. I, yeah, look, I think a lot of it is probably because most of Carlos' players were out. So he just let Duncan, you know, <laughs> run point. with the guys yeah. he knew. So I think, I think there's a lot into that. And I think that's what we'll get into. So just a heads up, we're going to be talking about 
is this Chelsea's worst performance of the season versus a well-drilled Everton side? Um, but it's easy to be well-drilled when you're not trying to do anything. Uh, a, tales of, a tale of highs and lows as evidenced through Reese James and Kai Averts. Definitely uh, the opposites on that spectrum. And then we'll discuss how Chelsea might rebound and kick off a new winning streak or at least an unbeaten streak because that seemed to work last time. So uh, some quick call to actions. A huge thank you to Alex for joining us on Patreon. Uh, access to our Discord under Match Day Madness. It was hopping. A lot of good questions uh, that come up through there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, jumping in for Dan. We got Sid B23 in Chelsea FC Sweden. So thank you again for the five-star love. Just helps us, uh, you know, stick around when you search for us in Apple Podcasts. So we pop up next to uh, the Cobham crew and everything going on at The Athletic. So, you know, just just mm-hmm. trying to stay with the big dogs over there. Um, <laughs> Nick, you've got Merch Madness updates. That's right. Uh, LA, we're coming for you. Bayou City Blues, we're coming for you. Uh, the, there's a, a 4-1 Baku shirt that I like. We're also going to purchase that. Uh, Austin Blues, we're, we're coming for you as well. If you have any other cool chapter merch, we'll probably give us another week from today to get all of the kind of links in or PayPal information in, and then we'll start to uh, begin to rate this stuff on the show as it begins to ship in around Christmas, okay? So uh, let us know. Uh, it can be uh, international merch if, if you have shipping abilities. Um but we are excited about this and, uh, and can't wait to get the goods in. Very, very excited for the new gifts around this time of year. Uh, but just a heads up, listeners, we're going to be doing a Wolves recap midweek. Uh, Matt Law is coming back to join us. So we'll do a Matt Law special. And then we have a West Ham preview. So uh, we've got this match review, Simon, those three pods. It's going to be a big week. We got four episodes. So clear the podcast apps of anything non Chelsea uh, and focus down. It's the busy busy time of year so uh let's dive into the match review time now it was everton in the premier league this past saturday on december 12th at goodison park everton won chelsea nil uh we'll throw it over to the fifth stand up as we always do for goal highlights this one might be a little shorter than normal though so uh again shout out to the the fifth stand up the only official app from chelsea fc uh where they put all of the breaking news and highlights there first here we go It's Frank Lampard's side that are on the road with a trip to the other side of the Pennines to face an Everton team that have stuttered recently. Lampard up against former boss Carlo Ancelotti, the Italian who enjoyed success at Stamford Bridge. Long towards Calvert-Lewin, that's what he can do, and still going. Oh, now then, that's a penalty, but he doesn't get the ball second time around, and I think he knows here, Mendy. Yeah, I don't think there'll be too many complaints here. Sigerson will... Fancy's chance is usually pretty good from the penalty spot. Sigerson, oh, cheekily done, just rolls it into the corner and Mendy goes the wrong way. Maybe he just waited briefly to see which way Mendy would go and then calm as you like, puts Everton in front. James has a go and Pickford seems to get across a little slowly, punches it away. Yeah, I think it was just a little bit too far out to beat Pickford on that side. In comes the corner, good delivery, just skims off the head of one and the shot crashed in, here's the post, how unlucky! Goodness me, what a strike this is, that's a great save! Chilwell will curl in, it's towards Giroud, back post can knock it down, Zimmer with a shot, straight at Pickford. These days you expect him to score. 
floated towards Giroud. Pickford comes, gets it. Kante will recover. And then he's curled in brilliantly. Oh, makes a man on top of the crossbar and skims away. That was so, so close. Spread away through. It is Mount. Oh, he's in the foot of the post. He's gone the wrong way. Jordan Pickford's going to his right. So unlucky. Pickford completely wrong-footed. Seen that a couple of times with Jordan Pickford. Seems incredible. Chelsea with plenty forward. Intercepted easily by John Joe Kenny. Just a second league defeat in the campaign for Chelsea. Carlo Ancelotti, the former Chelsea coach, gets the upper hand over Frank Lampard. But this is Everton's day. All right, Nick, let's see if you can handle this. It's uh, lineup time. It's a, it's a big one. Um, it was pretty standard operating procedure, as I'm sure most know by now. Mendy between the sticks, Thiago Silva and Kurtzuma in central defense, Ben Chilwell and Reese James on the uh, in the fullback positions, Conte Kovacic mount in midfield with a front three, an adapted front three, you must say, uh, without wingers of Timo Werner, Olivier Giroud, and Kai Havertz. Uh, the bench uh, was uh, smaller uh, than uh, than other times due to injury. It, it kind of felt like there weren't as many attacking options anyway. Uh, unused substitutes of Kepa, Rudiger, Azpi, Jorginho, and, uh, and Tino Andrin. Used substitutes of Tammy Abraham and Billy Gilmore. Simon, immediate reactions when you saw the lineup yesterday? Um, well, I think once Pulisic was ruled out, um, you instantly knew um, Chelsea had problems in terms of you knew Everton were, were going to sit back and, and be defensive. Um, so you were questioning um, how Chelsea would play out wide. Havertz um, has, has played in, to the right before, um, has played an attack before, but it just doesn't suit him. He doesn't have the pace. Uh, notably, he was one of only three uh, players in the Chelsea lineup that was used, including the two subs that didn't get a cross in, uh, which is a bit of a problem. Wow. When you've got Olivier Giroud as your target man who, who feeds off crosses. So you've got one flank. Okay, Reese James did a, did his utmost to try and compensate for that. But you're kind of a man down uh, in terms of the crossing ability, um, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, the, the two two players, by the way, they didn't get crossing. I don't know whether you can figure them out. One was obviously Mendy, <laughs> which would have been a surprise if he got a crossing, let's I be understand honest. Understandable. <laughs> so the only outfield player was Kurt Zuma. Even Thiago Silva got a cross in, um, which, if you remember, was in the last minute or two, and it went went straight to uh, Pickford. But um, but yeah, it, you instantly had concerns um, about whether Chelsea could break Everton down. Um, yeah, the the other issue you could, and and this is with the benefit of hindsight, of course, is the midfield um, of, of Kante, Mount, and and Kovacic in terms of. Um, did Chelsea have enough creativity in that midfield to break down a resilient Everton side? Kovacic, I don't know what you guys think of him. Um, he has actually had a couple of good games of late, um, in my opinion. But I'm one of the I'm in I'm in the camp where I don't think he's creative enough, um, especially against teams like this. Um, he, he he puts through a lot of uh, he gets through a lot of effort, a lot of work rate. But when you're playing against a defensive team, you need someone with a bit of an eye for a pass. Um, and I thought whilst he he certainly tried his best, 
um, I felt that Chelsea were one man down, another man down in terms of the creative department. Yeah, I, I actually called that out on Twitter yesterday, Simon. Um, it was very clear to me that Everton made a strategic decision to focus on Mason Mount in the final third and let Kovacic have a lot more free area to roam. Good shot. Um, and, and they did. I mean, and, and there were plenty of uh, opportunities where Kovacic was able to kind of wiggle free and get into the box, and then the final pass wasn't there. I think notably the pass to uh, to Timo Werner, which he kind of skied over the bar, just wasn't – it wasn't a crisp enough pass for Timo to do anything with it, and so he had kind of had to just force it and I think wasted that chance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Kovacic certainly if, – if he would have been better in the final third, I think we could have hurt him pretty badly yesterday because they focused – Everton focused so much on – on Mason Mount for obvious reasons, uh, and and Kai Kai didn't provide much. So yeah, it was an interesting call out for me there. Well, look, possession was not an issue yesterday, gentlemen. Uh, as we run through the the top line stats, Chelsea was seventy two percent possession away from home, uh, ten shots, three on target. Everton had nine shots with four on target. So clearly a much better job on their end. Um, we had 17 tackles to their 13. Uh, they had 33 clearances. Yet we also had 15 ourselves. Six corners apiece, uh, two yellow cards for them, three for us, and then they conceded 10 fouls to our 11. So uh, definitely scrappy, kind of, um, which I complained about yesterday. Uh, the fact that Everton would put in a tackle, but the second we tackled them, they were in a heap on the ground holding their face every single time. And uh, that was a little bit annoying because Jonathan Moss couldn't wrap his head around what was happening. So uh, shout out again to at Kaylee underscore graphics for the uh, expected goals here. Uh, it was uh, Everton 0. 0.4 plus one for the pen. Chelsea 0. 0.8. 0. 0.8 is the lowest we have seen in a very long time for this team. And Lampard said that in his post-match kind of chat with Lee Parker on the, the fifth stand up said we didn't create the same amount of chances as we normally do, which he was concerned. And I think that's credit to Everton as we get into it. So the first one we want to get into is, is this the worst performance of the season? And uh, Dan found this tweet from uh, S. Johnson Sport saying, mm. EFC <laughs> win one nothing, comfortably CFC's worst performance of the season played into Everton's hands. Now, Simon, that is you, obviously. Oh, um, oh, it's me? Was it? <laughs> it's verified, so you know it's real. I've been right? hacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think the the second se the second part of the, the statement there is what concerns me the most. I was raving about our tactical setup in front of Leeds. We had them pinned. We knew exactly what they were going to do. We knew how they are going to play, and we countered them brilliantly all match. Now you come into this Everton, you know they're banged up, you know they're in a rough patch, we played right into their hands. It felt like we didn't. I know, obviously, the personnel kind of forced our hands in certain ways, but the lack of width and the lack of really the the way we played, it seemed like we just ran into their block of Alan Ducore over and over and over and and didn't play in Giroux and just, I don't know, it seemed to me a little a little obvious what was going wrong, and it sounds like that's the way you felt too. Yeah, um and I'd sort of touch on what I said earlier about this is how Everton played against Chelsea in, in a number of times over the years. What and and don't don't be under any um, confusion, or whatever. Lampard would have been stressing this. He would have been in on them all week, um, 
since 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 the Krasnodar game, saying, right, this is how they're going to play. They're going to get in your face. They're going to be physical. You got to be ready for it. What's worry? I would say is I, I I don't I don't think you can accuse the management of being underprepared. You have to worry whether there's still this soft underbelly with some of these Chelsea players. We, we, we saw it in Everton last year. We saw it, if you remember, the, the Sheffield United performance away from home where that was all about mentality, attitude, that that ability to scrap for 50-50. You worry perhaps, or you question perhaps, ha- had they got lulled into a bit of a false sense of security about the unbeaten run? You, you question that as well. But sometimes these things can, can turn on minor details or one lapse of concentration. It's not like Everton came up the block and were like bombarding Chelsea with crosses into the box. It was one punt into the into the, the final third, hope, uh, hopeful punt towards Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He flicks it on and then who can legislate for Edouard Mendy who's been pretty... Uh, pretty spectacular since he arrived, making such a stupid challenge and gifting Everton exactly what they wanted was a goal to hang on to. It's far easier to sit deep and then counter-attack as they did. Um, and it was criminal for Chelsea to fall behind when they're without their three uh, wingers. Um, it was always going to be an uphill struggle after that because they just didn't have the the magic, um, enough magic on the pitch to break them down. I mean, your your point is, is the point. It's... You could tell that this was not going to be a fluid performance from kickoff, basically. Um, passes were not connecting where they should have. You know, even an experienced player like Giroud didn't really get his foot in the game uh, at all. And, and that was really disappointing for him. I mean, a terrible time for a Callum Hudson Adoy to get injured because uh, he could basically start every match right now for, for Chelsea Football Club. And I know he's been looking for those those minutes. So, yeah, this was I mean, this was a tailor-made gift for Everton. They they couldn't have they couldn't have seen this out any better than they did. You go up early, you literally have to do nothing uh, besides, you know, uh, set up shop in, in front of your own goal. Uh, and even then you got peppered with a couple of shots off the bar. I it was exactly the, the recipe for them. And uh, it was unfortunate that we had such a, you know, calamity of errors that led to the, uh, led to the first penalty. And then, you know, could have even given up a second penalty due to some sloppy defending. I mean, it was, it was a bad day to have a bad day, Brandon, for a lot of Chelsea players. And uh, let's hope that they all got it out of their system at once. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's the hope. I, I did tweet that. And I just said it was uh, it was I think right right as uh, Moss had called the second penalty, which thankfully was called back rightly for offsides. And I said, bring it on. I was like three more pens. Maybe I was like, let's just let's get it all out of the way now. If we have to take this, like, let's get all of our bad passes out. Let's get all of our terrible decision making out of the way. Let's just, you know, self medicate here and do it all at once. Obviously. I don't want Chelsea to lose four nothing to Everton on four penalties. I mean, that was clearly me being frustrated at that time. Yeah, but it kind of goes back to the fact that you know, the the is is just a lack of chances. You know, Everton played resoundly. They were resilient in defense. Uh, according to at Squawk of Football, we didn't produce a single shot on target in the second half, even though we were down. 
which is weird. Usually you you maybe let things fly a little bit more. I know we hit the post twice in, in the match, thanks to Reese and Mason. Um, and then Squawka saying Kurzuma created more chances than any other Chelsea player against Everton, which isn't what you normally expect from this Chelsea side. I, I wonder about uh, the formation. So we actually saw Kai go out right instead of Mason. If you want to talk about like little tweaks and changes, like I don't know how well Kai does because he doesn't provide any width. I think Chelsea have really relied on our ability to stretch teams wide, Simon, this season. And we just weren't able to pull their or outside backs or center backs out of position at all. I had forgotten that Timo Werner was playing in the first half. Olivier Giroud, the only thing he was doing was apparently stepping on Yerry Mina's toes accidentally in this match. I mean, it just it, it was not that kind of fluid, connected football. Everton absolutely disjointed us, and we couldn't find a way through. Yeah, I mean, I sort of thought gave it some thought about what Lampard could have done to uh, to make it work better, and and perhaps one of the things he he should have considered rather than moving Havertz out wide, was to to perhaps play your, your two foot right backs, um, to have Aspilicueta and Reese James, um, and keep Havertz in the middle where he's more comfortable and play him instead of Kovacic on the on the right of the three. Um I think that would have been better balanced and perhaps given Chelsea a better chance to to keep those crosses coming in from but because Azpilicueta could have um overlapped Reese James, even though his legs aren't quite what they used to be. Um you, you'd have had a two-pronged um right hand side. Whereas Havertz just I, I said in my tweets, I don't know whether you saw it, it it was like a golfer who who who'd misread the pace of the green. Like every pass he, he hit was short. I mean there was a very early one actually where Reese James was, was bombing on, he, he's calling for it to have a shot and, and Havertz plays it too soft and, and, and gives, I think it was Holgate, the opportunity to to get over and block uh, Reese James's shot. So that's what I was sort of thinking tactically and maybe Lampard could have changed it earlier. Um, I thought Gilmore perhaps could have come in a bit earlier. He's someone that can can thread the needle a little bit more than... than um, than Kovacic and perhaps move sort of Kante to the right. That was another option. Um, but one point I wanted to make that I thought of as well, this was the first time Chelsea played in a stadium with opposition fans. Now, now we saw against Leeds the galvanising effect it had on the Chelsea players. They were fantastic, that, that 2000 that were, that were roaring um, Chelsea on. But likewise you do get the feeling that the Everton players were galvanised by the 2,000 fans inside Goodison Park. And they also had, I think, a bit of an effect on the referee because he seemed to be giving a lot of the 50-50s, a lot of the um, classic, almost European uh, European cut tie sort of um, antics of flopping over the, the merest width of the challenge. Um, and the roars of the home fans uh, in anger at every one of those incidents seemed to always bring out the whistle, and that helped disrupt Chelsea's momentum. Yeah, I, it, it was it was really by hook or by crook. If you're if you're looking at Everton's performance, Brandon, I mean, like, to me, every time I felt like we were getting into the game, there was either a really stout 
Everton tackle or there was a huge Everton flop or there was some coming together off the ball that was conspicuous and that we never got a good camera angle on over here, which kind of just makes you wonder what the hell is going on. Uh, they certainly tried to disrupt the rhythm that Chelsea were building. And it seems like every year, you know, that, that there's some trend on how to attack Chelsea. I think this tactical fouling, flopping thing is going to be what you see opponents do uh, the remainder of this year, especially opponents who don't have attacking talent to come and try and hurt us on their own. Um, this was a very Barcelona-esque type of, or City-esque, whatever, whoever Pep coaches, really, uh, I'm looking at here. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of a similar tactical approach. I mean, Alon, I remember Alon and Richarlison, it was like within a minute of each other, there was like, you know, the N'Golo Conte finger across the nose, hit the deck, right? Or just that slight tap on the on a toe, hit the deck. Like, that that does screw with your momentum. It does screw with your you know uh, your attitude in the match, and it it was unfortunate because I wouldn't have equated Carlos' teams with with necessarily that tactic, especially with Duncan Ferguson on the <laughs> on their uh, on their coaching staff. I would have thought it'd been more more of a fist fight than a than a flop, but it certainly disrupted us. Well, I think that's it. Everton completely disrupted, disjointed us. Uh, I was fuming over Charleston's you know, performance yesterday, especially because we even talked about how good of a player he can be, you know, and just, he reverted back to, you know, kind of old tactics and, and old things he used to do. And it was obviously very frustrating. I had, I'd mentioned the year Mina on the floor, Levi Giroud didn't know what had happened. Um, you know, and, and it's like, look, if someone steps on your foot with metal studs, it hurts. I've been there. Right. I, I wore metal studs. Like I received it. But just the way they went down and stayed down and like needed medical treatment for everything, it it slows the game down, it disjoints it, and and the Chelsea players really got rattled by it. And maybe this is one of the the flaws of having a younger team is they don't have the maturity to get past it. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, even uh when Mason Mount absolutely pushed the center back into uh Jordan Pickford and he went down. So this is a tactic. I've done it before, actually, in my career. I stay down so the referee has to come check on me mm -hmm. just so I can yell at the referee for what just happened. And that is what Jordan Pickford did. Um, but it was just very disjointed. We weren't able to get in our flow. And then, obviously, we talked about Mendy, who's the one who gave away the penalty. Uh, and Squawka, look, you got to call you got to call a spade a spade, right? We talked about how good Edwa has been compared to Keppa and all these stats and things like that. Well, Edwal Mendy has now given away more penalties for Chelsea in the Premier League than Kepa Aretha Balaga. So, hey, Kepa, you got one back on him, all right? So there's that. But I don't really think there's there's much. Dan put in the script, BB, what should Mendy have done? Not that. <laughs> Stayed home. <laughs> like, pretty simple. Um, so, anyways, well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk highs and lows, a.k.a. Uh, Rolls-Reese and Kai Averts, uh, and then we'll get into more of uh, Simon's article about squad depth and, and how good Chelsea really are. So, thanks to sponsors for, for financially supporting the show. We'll uh, be right back. Are you looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Look no further, because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Now, they've sent us a ton of products, but a few 
are going to make your list of the best stocking stuffers for the holiday season. The Crop Preserver, it's a ball deodorant. The name speaks for itself. I think you get the point. The Crop Reviver, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with aloe vera and hazel extracts. The Crop Cleanser, a body wash, a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. Crop Mop, ball wipes, you never know. When an opportunity strikes, you should always be prepared. Foot doster, foot deodorant, designed to keep the stankiest, that's right, stankiest feet smelling fresh. Shears 2.0, a luxury four-piece nail kit. The Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which provides proprietary skin-safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. And let's not forget about the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. We've talked about this one before. Ceramic blades, advanced skin-safe technology, no accidents, you don't want any of that. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know the products are legit. Get 20% off, plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LONDONISBLUE. Whether this is for your partner, dad, brother, friend, get them something that they will actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LONDONISBLUE. Be the ballsiest gift giver ever this year with Manscaped. sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with the free $75 credit at indeed.com forward slash podcast. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com forward slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right. Highs, lows, and everything in between. Uh, I had another inflammatory tweet uh, about the 75th minute <laughs> that said, Reese James could get sent off and he would still be my man of the match for this for this today, <laughs> Simon. I couldn't get enough. His crosses... His tackling, his industry, um, he was all over the pitch, just willing this team to do more. He is that silent leader, whether he knows it or not, that you love to have on a team. Oh yeah, and it's it. To be honest, his performance is in keeping with his, with his season. Um, he, he's right up there in terms of player of the season already, um, as far as Chelsea candidates are concerned. His his um, progress, his development from last season is 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 huge i mean he had a pretty good first season um but no he's gone on to a whole nother level so much so that of course in england we're talking about him remarkably replacing trent alexander arnold as first choice right back for the national team i mean that's that's some massive compliment because i mean trent alexander arnold has had some form issues some injury issues yes but uh, Reese James on merit is is in that conversation, and we saw exactly why at Goodison Park. Um, he, 
it shouldn't be the case that he was setting the example given his age, um, but his attitude absolutely was was where everyone should have been at on Saturday night. And unfortunately, when you don't have all eleven men in that in that mindset, that's what can happen. Things can go wrong. If all eleven had played like Reese James did, then Chelsea wouldn't have lost that game. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he he talking about the crosses from from earlier that I ref- he he produced the most crosses. Uh, seven from open play. Um, yeah, okay, Everton got back and mostly were able to deal with them, but it wasn't for the, the one to try and he he was everywhere. Um, and he also stood up to them physically. Um, so yeah, very, very impressive. Um, but like I said, it's just a shame that there were so many that, that weren't at his standard. Yeah, he was, Brandon, he was giving it to Richarlison from the first whistle. That was clearly the matchup on the field that everyone had their eye on yesterday and for good reason, because, you know, it's kind of good on good, right? Um, You know, which one is going to kind of get the better of the other. So that was really interesting. And, you know, I think in comparison to the way that, you know, Tiago Silva handled or didn't handle Calvert-Lewin yesterday, I think Reese's performance even stood out that much more um, as, as kind of pushing the team forward. Um, I think the problem that he ran into is that, the game got so physical and he is so physical that even a, a light infraction looks worse than it is because he, of his tank like body structure. Um, <laughs> that he, he produces gets, a lot of force. He does. He does. And I think it, he'll learn how to, I think better manipulate that over time it's as to not get called for so many little fouls that, you know, eventually lead up to cards or lead up to, you know, 10 situations. But uh, on the whole, he was, yeah, I think by far the the best player on the field. Him and him and Angola were were good. I was again. just about to say that cl- classic Angola Conte. He was phenomenal too. The problem is there was nothing else being produced out of the midfield, so it's like all of his good work goes nowhere. You know, yeah, it was notable that the outlets that he would normally pass to were were not really there yesterday, and so you had a lot of the put it around the bend let's see if we can get it out wide and then out wide they were closing down relatively quickly as well so yeah nothing i would worked. say angola was the one really hitting on the break he, i remember many times whether it's center backs or other mids and tight spaces they would actually play a little one two where he would take off the midfield and they would just play it into a little bit of space and he'd be the one almost running and transitioning into us and in, us into attack i think that kind of goes back to Simon's point about kovacic what do you get with him from an end product um actually Chelsea youth kind of he gently called it out again he's like again not trying to slate Kovacic I'm just saying there's really no end product is he tidy in possession yes can he put in a tackle yes can he hold shape yes but in these matches we just need a lot more going forward and when you have Reese and N'Golo Kante is kind of your one-two punch for standout performers um you know that's not an ideal situation when current Zuma is creating the most chances for you that's not an ideal situation can, can I, in defense of Kovacic, you know, because I know that's not a, a popular take these days, um, the, yesterday was not about him. He obviously could have done more, as I said earlier, with you know, kind of passing in, in the final third. Yesterday was about Everton's decision, and I think it was a really important decision, and it will not be the first time this decision is being made this season, to take Mason Mount and put one or two people on him as to not elect allow him to affect the game 
Now, that decision becomes a lot harder for opposition if Kai Havertz is performing at top level or Christian Pulisic is performing at his best. You know, you, you don't have the luxury of honing in on Mason Mount at that stage. Or if you do, you're going to get burned by someone else. So I think it was just a you know, not only a, a tough day out for a lot of our guys, but but also a really specific decision that was made. And, and again, if you're Kovacic in that spot, you obviously hope to do better than you did yesterday. But um, in, in some of those tight spaces, he was also pushing the ball forward, trying to make something happen, being an extra man where he, he typically isn't in the box. So I, I don't think he had a bad game yesterday. I just don't think he produced the, the game-winning goal or, or assist. I was going to chip in that I also think the left flank was, uh, was a bit of an issue. Um, yeah. like Chilwell, Chilwell came up with five crosses, but I can't think of any that were that were particularly dangerous. And and Timo Werner, unfortunately, um, his form at the moment is just off. Just uh, is I don't know whether his confidence has understandably been affected by some shocking misses of late. Um, but he, he some there are some of the touches he makes. You just go, wow, has that just come from a Germany international that costs like 47 million pounds. It's like really, really um, poor touches. Um, and he just didn't get into the game at all. Now, it it doesn't suit him with teams sitting back. He, he's very much a counter-attacking player. That, that That's something that he was um, lethal at in, in Germany. Um, and perhaps he's not so used to playing against teams that, that, that sit back. Um, as much as they do when they face Chelsea as, as perhaps he faced in RB Leipzig. Um, there, there definitely seems an adaption process with him. Um, we've seen what he can do on the counter-attack, you know, like, like the assist at St. James's Park um, was was magical. Uh, the assist for, for Pulisic, uh, last week against Leeds, superb. But when, but notice that that's on the counter attack. When when players are sitting deep, um, he really struggles to get in the game, and his touch lets him down. And it certainly really stood out for me as a negative um, in the game at Goodison Park. Well, one other midfielder that um, you know for for everything you know. That Kai's been called. I've seen future Ballon d'Or winner, uh, generational talent, a lot of lot of things. It seems like, uh, my opinion, Simon, is that it's probably a little bit of a slower transition to the Premier League um, than maybe a lot of us had hoped, because it just seems like he's expecting to have more time on the ball, and that's not happening. He's getting caught in possession, or he's having to rush his passes, which means end up not being great. And on the flip side, we've also seen him put in some of the most delightful uh, passes, usually to Timo Werner, that we've seen on the entire team as well. Um, but he just wasn't really involved last night. Um, it just wasn't really clicking. Uh, you know, we've also heard about the coronavirus symptoms that he had were much stronger than than were for most of the players that have gotten it. And so it, it just, I, I guess, you know, kind of. Not saying like, hey, this is Kai Averts writing him off, um, but it just wasn't his night against Everton. How have you kind of seen him integrate or not integrate into the league this season? Well, I think because we at the, the Athletic were kind of pre-warned, um, because when we did our big reads on 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 how and why the deal was done, 
um, a few months ago. Um, we got insight um, due to our tremendous German Germany colleague, Raphael Hanningstein. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous insight uh, from his camp that they were aware or, or certainly wary that he could get off to a slow start, that it would take a few months for him to um, adapt to a new league, um, to adapt to a new club. They they very much saw this coming and the possibility that expectations wouldn't be met from the get-go. So I've been kind of far more patient from the start because it's almost like they knew that this was possibly going to happen. Um, I... I've, I suppose, have, until Goodison Park, preferred to dwell on the positives of what I've seen. Uh, you already mentioned, Brandon, that some of the pass, some of those passes that I haven't seen another Chelsea player do for a number of years, like a, a, a kind of a pass that you could go, oh, that's that's a pass out of the ordinary. It's not your bog standard. 20 yards to the left, 20 yards to the right, square pass. It's it's a pass that defenders can't cope with. But I've also liked when he's charged, he's he's picked up the ball and, and charged through it, through through up the pitch. So what we saw for the assist for Giroud's goal um, against Sevilla, um, that is the positives. You know, you can see what he can be when it all comes together. I totally get why... Um, there's a lot of the fan base that are worried, that are critical. And certainly, there's no excuse for the Evan performance. I don't care if he was out of position. He needed to be um, a lot more um, up for it than that. Yes, perhaps COVID, you know, and the after effects of COVID played a part. But um, yeah, there's no excuse in that performance. But I, I, I just think it's far too early. And, and I almost feel like I'm singing from Frank Lampard, Lampard's song sheet here. Um, it's far too early to be concerned. I, I just think Chelsea have got a great talent here. There's a reason why people in Germany consider him to be the, the star of Germany, German football for the next 10 years. Um, it will come together. Um, Chelsea fans are just going to have to be patient. I mean, yeah, that I think that's the important disclosure to put on this, right, is... I think we all believe in Kai Havertz. I I am not slating him by criticizing his performance yesterday. It was a objectively bad performance. He was having trouble picking out even the most simple pass. He was not charging at the Everton defense. He was slow and 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 I think that is, you know, kind of the the sentiment Brandon the Chelsea youth put out which is uh you know, cuz we share, we shared these about the same point in the match, Havertz has to be hooked soon, COVID or no COVID, he's playing like a player used to having a lot more time to do his business. He's not going to have a lot more time to do his business in the Premier League. And as the league continues to get faster, there are more dynamic players involved and tactics change. He's going to have to, you know, much like a, a quarterback making the transition from college to the NFL, his internal clock's going to have to speed up dramatically. Um, and and I look, I would understand at 21, I was a moron. I, I was doing nothing remotely Productive. similar to just, yeah, just use no, that word. Just <laughs> general moron. And he's clearly not a moron. He's doing much better than I was at 21. So, but, you know, I, I think we can all give him grace. But when there's a performance that was, I mean, the worst on the field yesterday, we, we can call a spade a spade here. 
we I think it's just notable that we we talk about it. It doesn't mean that we want to see him fail. It, exactly the opposite. Well, it, the the ceiling is so high. I think that's why people are mm-hmm. are upset with the performances because we know he has so much more to give. Um, a lot of this, look, I, I come down to the team shape and and uh, you know the the changes that were forced upon Frank. I mean, what are the odds that all of your wingers are injured at the same time? This you know, season, like, oh, good. There, it's a good chance. I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, it has been obviously Ziyech and Pulisic got most of the season, you know, but it, it's always been, you know, it's it's continuing to rear its head as like it's forcing Lampard to put pieces where he doesn't want them. We talked a lot about this with Mason Mount playing out wide at the beginning of the season, and we're like, it's not his best position. All right, wingers come back. He slots in the middle. We're like, it's his best position in the <laughs> midfield, you know. And so today, Averts, you know, was the one who was pushed out there as well. And to Simon's point earlier, it doesn't help that Timo is not firing the way that you would expect him to. And you know he'll come good for. So it, it just, I think a, a lot of things probably kind of stars aligned on in, in the negative side for Chelsea. And we just weren't able to dig it out. But I did say also kind of in my one of my ranty tweets that while it's not going great right now, I could still see us rescuing it and nicking a point in this match. Like we are still at least you knew that Chelsea have it in them to go and grab one. It just didn't really come off. And again, with Mason Mount's free kick and Reese James's delightful uh, volley, that, you know, half volley that he smashed against the post, a fantastic save from Pickford, who um, I, I really do, I don't rate him as a, as a top goalkeeper, but credit when it's due. That was fingertip save that saved all three points. So, um, you know, it just it just kind of... It didn't really come off, maybe. But, hey, Simon, anyone else you want to talk about maybe that we hadn't that you feel like is on the rise or maybe someone who's maybe on the opposite, on a, on a decline right now? Um, no, I mean, well, I suppose Tammy Abraham, I think coming off the bench, um, this perhaps and this perhaps leads on to what we're going to talk about a bit later on about mm-hmm. sort of depth of squad, etc. cetera. Um, Look, I think Tammy's had a good good start to the season overall. But when you when you come off the bench, you really need to make an impact. And I, I just don't think he did that. I I don't want to stick the boot into him too much, but I, I just felt that, yeah, he, he, he had over 20 minutes to do something. And, and I, I really don't didn't spot anything that 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 a top when I think of Chelsea title winning teams, you know, the bench was massive. Um, you know, the depth, the strength in depth. And you just want more from your from your bench in situations like that. I also just think that sometimes guys, football, football, and, and you'll hear sort of managers, players say this, it comes down to details, the, these little details. It was a it was a mad penalty to concede. You'd never legislate many doing that. And you know, another day those two shots go in off the post and in or Kurt Zuma where he's eight yards out and hits it straight at Pickford that goes in on another day, you know, Chelsea sort of somehow scrape a draw or, or even a, a win out of that. And no one's, no one is all doom and gloom. Um, it's a, it's sometimes the difference between a, a loss and a victory or a draw is, is very fine. And, I mean, I've seen things like Everton tactical masterclass and all this kind of thing. It, it, it wasn't that. They they certainly made it difficult for Chelsea, but yeah, let's just say that everything that could go wrong for Chelsea did go wrong. 
Yeah, I think it was a it was generally a Murphy's Law type of day there uh, for sure. And I think on the on the point you made about Tammy Simon, uh, it is pretty clear when you watch Giroux and Tammy on the field together that there is not a great understanding of spacing. Mm. Um, and so you saw a couple of things happen in this in this match when when Tammy came on, he started out wide to try and, and provide the spacing and wasn't finding any joy out there. Uh, so then he actually came in and, and I don't know if you noticed this, he started playing, you know, kind of as a second striker in front of Giroux, uh, which was an interesting place to be. Uh, so he's, he's now playing more of a, I guess a number 10 role than anything. And then the, the third thing I noticed was on set pieces or crossing opportunities, they were basically standing on top of each other which is not what you want to have happen because you obviously want you know there to be if 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 you hit a long cross you want to be able to have a header back and and maybe the other one attack it. So I don't know Simon if you picked up on any of those things with Tammy's performance but that's what I noticed. Yeah, we we're not talking Drogba and Elka here. <laughs> no. Under Carlo even if you want to bring yeah. him back in. Yeah, see what I did there? Uh yeah, no, we we're, we're not um yeah. And and also I think there are times where I uh, Tammy does show that he's still raw, right? You know, this is only his second season at this level, um, at this club. You know, you know, technically speaking, I'm talking about senior part mm-hmm. of the squad, um, and and sometimes it shows. I think it, I think it showed against Spurs. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying the reason Chelsea lost was Tammy Abraham. Far from it. But again, I, I go back to you, you want impact off the bench. And and I didn't really. Uh, Nick talks about stuff I noticed. The thing I didn't really notice Tammy at all. That that that's the problem. I didn't really notice him, um, and that's not not a positive at all. Correct. <laughs> Let, let's go ahead and and, and move on to our, kind of the last point because I think this kind of gets into is is how how do Chelsea rebound from this? You know, we've we've obviously talked a little bit about Simon. Your your piece in the Athletic. Obviously, go pay, go subscribe. Um, you know, it was do Chelsea have the strongest squad in the Premier League, according to Jurgen Klopp and his quotes, because apparently, you know, he's not a big time manager that can handle the heat. Obviously, Mourinho will always pass the torch to someone else as well. It's kind of been pointing to Chelsea lately, which obviously Frank laughs off in, in the press conferences. Um, so do Chelsea really have the strongest squad in the Premier League as a title? Um, and I think this maybe shows that we don't. Diego Jota just announced he's out for six weeks. More, you know, the Manchester Derby was a nil-nil draw, even though there was chances to be had. Um, it's an interesting situation, and I didn't really think something that we'd be in this position so quickly this season. But to be fair, Chelsea were the ones doing the big business this summer. And so because of, I think, a big summer and i put that in quotations because it wasn't a summer transfer window <laughs> yeah yeah fall fall transfer window um the question and, and the kind of the the eyes have been pointed at frank and and same thing 17 matches unbeaten you're gonna draw attention i think that's what's happened in this situation well i mean for starters it's, it's a it's a compliment isn't it i mean i think i think jürgen klopp there's an element of um element of mind games, you know, to, to use a rather bit of a cliche now. Um, but I do think there was an element of uh, being a little bit mischievous. Um, the thing was, it was also backed up by uh, former Liverpool defender, Jamie Carragher, 
um, on on Sky Sports over here. Um, I mean, he's he, a club mouthpiece, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so he so, so he did a whole segment um, on on our version of Monday Night Football, <laughs> not the NFL version, um, uh, where where he he had the A team and the B team. Um, now, what I argued, and and this was before um, Lampard sort of came out very vocally after the Everton game, is I just made the point. It's just like you're, you, everyone seems to be forgetting why Chelsea haven't been challenging for titles, which is many of the players that were listed in in in, in Carragher's B team. Um, yes, Chelsea have got and, and have have had sort of a fringes of top four cup run kind of team. But look at the gaps in the table, the points difference. That's the gap between the squads. And as Lampard went on to explain far better than I did, he's talking about goal. He particularly named goal scorers. You know, he was, he was clearly referring to Salah and Mane. Um, of course, with City, he was, he was talking about Aguero. Of course, he's not been playing very much. But he's, he's talking about those kind of players. Um, Chelsea don't have those. We've got Chelsea have got Giroud, a 34-year-old who's having a great time of it, but he's not going to get Chelsea 30 goals. Then you've got a, a backup or, or a, a sort of a someone in competition with him, Tammy Abraham, um, who's not going to get 20, 30 goals. Then you've got Timo Werner, who's who was bought to get you 20, 30 goals, but he's adapting to a new league, as is Kai Havertz. Um, and what I was trying to argue was... If Chelsea lose any of the key players, so Thiago Silva, you're, Chelsea are back to the same options as they struggled with last season. I mean, Thiago Silva's made a massive difference. Same with Mendy before I wrote the piece and he made the terrible error at Everton. You put Kepa back in goal, you, you're back to last season with all the defensive uncertainty. And Golo Conte is almost like a new signing because he only played half of Chelsea's games last season. If he's out of that midfield, the backup option of Jorginho, it, he is not the same calibre of player. He plays too slow. He doesn't suit, suit Chelsea's way of playing. So this is my point, is that it's not... Yes, you could argue that Chelsea have got a load of internationals. They are all international players. But we're talking sort of Europa League stroke top four. It sounds very harsh, I know. Europa League stroke kind of fourth spot kind of players. We're not talking players that win your leagues and and so Chelsea there's a very fine balance between Chelsea being title contenders and just being Champions League uh, qualification contenders I mean it's an interesting point right because I, I think every time we have this conversation about squad depth it's done through a lens of what is the best possible output from x player y player z player right so in you know looking at it this way right if, if Timo Werner is getting his 30 goals a season, then it's, it is a completely different discussion than if he is going through a rough patch in form, right? If Olivier Giroud is contributing 10 to 12 goals a season, you know, and it is really chipping in with important goals when Timo Werner's hurt or needs a rest or whatever, we're talking about a completely different situation. It squad depth to me is all about how players perform with very little game time coming in and, and adapting very quickly, um, you know, after training, you know, for a week to, to a match situation, Brandon. And this, this is probably where we have a lot of theoretical depth, 
a lot of players who could do a job. The question is, will they do that job? Every single day. Are these players going to perform? You know, even the top players. As, uh, so I was kind of listening and thinking, you know, thinking through the different players and different options we have. You know, Dan did, did kind of pose the question in the script. Does it need to be a formation change without wingers? And it's kind of interesting. It's like if these guys are going to be out for a while you almost have to go to three at the back just so you can have wing backs or almost wingers. I think Juventus has done it where they would play like a Douglas Costa as a right mid. Or if you go to, I know this is probably going to piss off a bunch of people, but if you think of like FIFA formations, right? And I only use that from the context of they got every formation under the sun there. You can put these guys who will essentially kind of go box to box um, and provide that with, they can essentially be an in-between of, of, you know, right wingers and, and, and right wing backs, uh, and, and provide something that way. Cause you just think that, you know, you sprinkle in Everton's problems and you sprinkle in the lack of, of width. And it seems like that width is what we, it gave us a lot of success, but to be fair, Akim Ziyech, right? So Simon's saying you lose Akim Ziyech in that left foot. That's a big loss. That is hard to fill in, you know, because then it's like, oh, hey, Callum, can you just go do a job? By the way, he is the most productive player in attack in the top five leagues in the last three seasons. No big deal. Christian Pulisic, extremely direct, can turn a defense. You talk about being able to get a defense to run at their own goal. Christian does a really good job of getting defenders having to turn and run and creates havoc that way. So there's also credit to these players that aren't able, you know, that you aren't able to replace. Um, and, and it's a big ask. But again, just a, a lack of width and, and potentially is what, what is, is hurting us a lot right now. And we're trying to pigeonhole different players in. But the question of do we have the strongest squad in the Premier League, um, maybe at left back because we have depth. <laughs> well, I'm, it, it, your your point yeah. on the on three four three is really interesting. Only in though, depth, right? only in numbers, Simon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> the 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 three four three is an interesting shout, though, Simon, because you know you, you saw yesterday, and you even talked about you know do you move Reese James up to try and take advantage of his crossing ability in a more in a more forward area, right? Like if you do play with Aspie behind him in a three. Which is you know an area where he's he's well suited to play. Obviously, you know maybe that does create some different challenges. A Havertz, in theory, could potentially play as one of those two kind of um, advanced tens in that formation. Maybe tuck inside a little bit more. Uh, and maybe that fits his strengths more. I mean, I'm I'm happy I'm happy for Frank to play around with this. Obviously, just given that you know he's not going to have all of his players fit for some time. Um, but it's going to be an interesting thing to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I don't blame Lampard for for sticking with four three three because it has it has been working so well, and and what, you don't want to upset the rhythm too much. Um, but yeah, I just I, I just think overall, it's not like I I was saying as well. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Chelsea have a terrible squad. You know, that that would be silly. Um, you know, they do have. Uh, a tremendous amount of options for brief injuries. You know, like you could say, say as we've seen, Thiago Silva has been rested, um, particularly when he's gone away with Brazil. You, you've got Rudiger can come in for one game. You know, that that's that's fine. I'm talking about serious absences, you know, like it, Chilwell's another one. If Chilwell gets a, a significant injury, 
Emerson Alonso proved last season why Chelsea wanted to go and spend fifty million pounds on another left back. You know, they're, they're just not they're not good enough. Um, so that's the kind of where I'm coming from. Yes, Chelsea have strength and depth, but only to a degree. Um, mm-hmm. they, they can't afford injuries to their key players. I think that is most big teams as well. I think City were probably the closest to having like two starting 11s, and even that's not working for them this season either. They lost Aguero, and they seem to really be struggling because of that. So um, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment. Um, but here we go. Dan of the match and table review. I I don't want to take not credit for this, Nick. I don't know if you want to put your co-sign this. It, this is a, a, such an easy one that even Dan got it right. You know, I, and I, I meddled. It was so easy. That I finally meddled in <laughs> in this poll. I normally don't. All right, my tweet was, "Hey, I don't like to meddle in these. You know, I want it to be pure." Not persuaded by any of the hosts, absolutely meddled. Couldn't well, and, stand for it. Well, and, and we also want Dan to fail, you know, on these, so he gets some some grief, um, which is is where where I I sit. Um, <laughs> but but Dan Dan had this one 100 right. The the options are Reese James, Igolo Conte, Mason Mount. Um, you know, obviously Mace got really unlucky twice yesterday, um, uh, hitting the bar and and missing that lob over. Over Pickford, uh, but a clear winner, uh, Reese James, eighty-eight point nine percent of the of the vote. That's that's old N'Golo Conte man of the match territory in terms of percentage uh, for for a, a player. So, uh, well done to Reese James yesterday, um, and uh, that's your Dan of the match. Bam. Yeah, I, even the replies are all confirming that it's Reese. There was there was no controversy whatsoever. No. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Hey, how about this time at a live look at the table? Liverpool losing right now 1-0 to Fulham as it stands. Come on. They take it all back. Uh, Chelsea <laughs> do have the strongest squad. Klopp was right. <laughs> Could you? Uh, I can't imagine this result stays. But if you look at the top of the table, Tottenham are in first, and they just dropped points today as well. Um, so they're in first at 25 points. This is live looks. This is mid-match. Liverpool are in second. Obviously, if they win, uh, they will jump Tottenham. Um, but they're in second on 24 points. Southampton, with the resounding smashing of Sheffield United, who cannot look more miserable, uh, are in third on 23 points, and that leaves Chelsea in fourth on 22 points. All of those teams have played or are playing their 12th match of the season. Leicester City on 11 matches in fifth at 21 points. Look, then you've got West Ham in sixth, Everton in seventh, Maine United dropping to eighth, and City, I think, up to ninth a little bit. <laughs> so after that that uh, boring derby. Oh, uh, Villa doing the business over Wolves at the late pen. Uh, Newcastle trying to fight their way to the top half of the table. Leads down to 14th. Arsenal, 15th. Uh, Brighton, 16th. Fulham, right now in 17th, uh, depending on how this result stands. Uh, Burnley, 18th. West Brom, 19th. Sheffield United, 20th. They cannot buck the one point right now, Nick. It is it is bad, uh, but we got a little Connor Gallagher silver lining with West Brom again. That is right. I, I watched that West Brom-Newcastle game uh, against my own best judgment yesterday. Honestly. Um, I'm, I'm an The I'm battle an addict. of the stripes. <laughs> I'm an addict, so I, I watched that terrible game. And uh, Connor Gallagher ran the show yesterday. He was so impressive. I mean, I, the more I watch West Brom, the more that he is 
the standout player for them. And he ran his socks off yesterday. He was doing everything. So I, the, while West Brom are not going to be a good team, Connor Gallagher is going to gain a ton from this loan. Uh, and, and I think we'll be sharper and better because of it. I kind of posed that question on a Discord yesterday, Simon, is when was the last time Chelsea sent a player on loan to a Premier League team and we couldn't wait to get him back? And I was thinking maybe Zuma at Everton, maybe even Lukaku at Everton. But I think I, I think Ruben at Palace, too. Like Ruben had yep. a really good run yeah, at Palace. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, the, those were all good shouts. Um, Mishy Butzwai at uh, Borussia Dortmund, remember that? That was exciting for a few weeks. <laughs> when, when, when he uh, sort of showed what he might do if, um, if he's focused for five minutes. Um, no, I mean, Conor Gallagher, getting back to the subject and being a bit serious. Um, yeah, I mean, he he really is making a big point here. You know, he, he had a very promising couple of loans last season. Um, I was under the impression that he was being considered, but perhaps as a first team squad member, I think he's made the right move to go on loan again to a Premier League club. And in, in many ways, it's more impressive that he's shining in a struggling team than if he was at a team that was that was winning every week. You know, it's it's a it's a great test of character. Um, my only sort of question mark and worry for him is where he can fit into the current squad. Um, given the sort of huge amount of options um, that Lampard already has. Um, say if he was to play the, a normal three, like with the wide players available, you're, you're already looking at a, probably a first choice three of, of Conte, Mount and Havertz. Um, you've got Kovacic there as, as a probably first choice in the rotation. Um, so that, there is, that that's the one sort of area of concern that's, you know, can Gallagher get enough game time in there to to work at Chelsea? I, I would I would love to see it, um, yeah. but you know he's still got a lot of a lot of work to do to sort of nail that spot. I think. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that yesterday too, Simon. I think it makes most sense for me uh, that Gallagher would fit in into the Kovacic Mount type of role. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's necessarily a number ten uh, type in terms of creativity. At least I haven't seen that from him. But he clearly can make chances. Like he, he he's a dynamic player, and I think more along the lines of Mason Mount than anything. But it also, if you have him in a squad and he is able to spell Mason Mount, like that means that Mason Mount doesn't have to play 75 matches a season, which is, <laughs> is potentially helpful. So um, I think, I think yeah. Mason Mount wants to play 75 games a season. I know that's, he that's does. <laughs> I know he does. It's just not feasible for anybody, let alone, you know, but yeah, whatever. So that that's my thought. And then, you know, obviously then Billy would maybe revert back to a number six type of role, um, depending on Jorginho's situation. Well, I, I think – it might make the club rethink their position on Billy and what they want to do with him because you're kind of comparing Billy and, and Connor. I know they're not like for like players purely, um, but they're seeing how much progress um, um, he's making at West Brom. So uh, look, I, I do not envy the team tasked with developing and putting these players on loan um, because when it works, it is huge. 
Uh, and when it doesn't work, obviously all the fans, we just rant and complain. But uh, anyways, that's going to wrap us up for this one. Uh, Simon, digging in, doing the full hour. Thank you, sir. Great to have you back as always. Oh, it's been great. Great, guys. Great to catch up again. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time you have me on, if if I am on again, I can talk about Chelsea victory because I, I always seem to be talking off to Chelsea defeat whenever I'm, <laughs> I'm with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm like the got- Grim Reaper. Oh, we gotta we we gotta find the next Arsenal match. When is when do we play Arsenal? That's right next? at the end of the year. So we play Arsenal yeah. the the day after Christmas. Oh yeah, it's as a ho ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky us. What a gift that that could be. But anyways, hey, just remember, go check out Simon on The Athletic. Uh, Straight out of Coppins, the podcast. Uh, I'm subbed. I listen to it religiously. Um, Liam and Simon, you guys have been kind of one of my go-tos as for a long time. So to have you guys teamed up, uh, it's kind of like a, a little a little superhero one-two punch. So I won't get into who's <laughs> Batman, who's Robin. That doesn't really matter. Just go enjoy it. Uh, but you guys are doing a ton of great content. So I think just... I'm going to represent all of the Chelsea fans out there and just say thank you. You guys are doing great. Oh, thanks, guys. Much appreciated. And I'm probably more like the Michael Caine character in in Batman, you know, sort of the old, <laughs> the old so-and-so that's uh, trying to tell Batman how to do things or, or what not to do and being totally ignored. <laughs> well, we give you tons of kudos and superpowers uh, in our eyes, Simon. So anyways, check it out. Uh, we'll be back with the uh, Wolves review. So obviously that'll be after that match, uh, just like we do. So Nick, thanks for joining us. Dan, enjoy your day off. He's earned it. So go tweet at him. Uh, tell him if you missed him or not. Uh, he, you know he'll be up for that. Anyways, uh, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.